This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 234 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Love of horses and hand grenades. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Audible.com and TheBarnWorks.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail or hot water, while using their tails as their own flight swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Well, hello everyone, Glenn the Geek back with you And Helena B. is off this week She's feeling a little bit better but had other obligations So I got together with uh, Coach Jen of Horse Tip Daily And we did some interviews for you So we have a lot of fun stuff planned for you on today's Stable Scoop radio show It's author day here on Stable Scoop We have a couple of authors for you that have written some really fun books That I think you'll enjoy And we had a great time uh, in their interviews Plus, we have uh, Kareen Shippers back with us, who is the leading, one of the leading horse photographers in the country and founder of Equine Photographers Network, with her monthly photography tip. So we're going to be with her shortly, as well as we have a Tack and Habit segment for you that we recorded at the American Equestrian Trade Association trade show last weekend. And I think you'll enjoy this one, a cool, cool story behind this product. So all of that coming up in today's Stable Scoop show. Let's start with uh, Kareen Shippers shippers of the equine photographers network with the monthly photography tip the reason we decided to do these was all of us would like to take better pictures of our horses and our kids with our horses and horse shows and everything we do trail rides and all that stuff so we thought well let's get some help uh from kareen on how to do that better even with your point and shoot cameras or your phones we can all take better pictures so let's listen in to this tip well howdy kareen thank you so much for joining us again Hi, Glenn. Nice to be back. Well, now, of course, you're from the Equine Photographers Network. You're the founder of the Equine Photographers Network, and we have you on every month doing a photography tip for us when it relates to horses and horse people. And it does, you know, the tips we're doing in this series, it really doesn't matter what kind of camera you have, whether you have a, a $10,000 camera or you're using your iPhone. We, we, we are just trying to give you some tips that would help you no matter what you're taking your pictures with. Obviously, you know, better cameras are going to, if you know how to use them, are going to end up with better quality pictures. But there are certain things that you can do to enhance any picture. Right. Uh, all right. Well, today we're talking about lighting, and I, it's probably one of the most important and frustrating things that for professional photographers deal with. That's for sure. And I mean, as many of us say, light is the photographer's paintbrush. And so, you know, we look for the light. And actually, you know, these days the cameras are a little different from what we were used to in the film days because in, when we were shooting film, we weren't able to shoot under very dark conditions because the, the film just couldn't take it. If we couldn't shoot at an ISO of 800, which was very high, we just we would just pack it in because that was it. Now these days, many of our cameras have ISO, which is that is the film speed of the camera, 
um, up to 5,000. Some of the higher-end cameras are amazing at what they can do in low light. So this gives us quite a bit more flexibility. Now, one thing that all photographers really need to avoid is the very harsh, bright, overhead midday light. So usually when, when I'm out on my trips, you'll see me out shooting early in the morning or late in the evening when we have the really beautiful light. But there's no reason why you can't also be shooting during the day, too, as long as you're aware of your light, how harsh it is, and especially your shadows. Now, gray horses are a pleasure to shoot. They don't need a lot of light, but they're much more forgiving. On the other end of the spectrum, you have your black horses, which they suck up all the light in the world. They have huge shadows on them, so you really need to have a good direct light source that hits your black horse or your dark brown horse. Gray horse, as I said, is a lot more flexible as what you have for your life. I, I know. We've all seen those crappy pictures of black horses that they just look like a blob. Yeah. You know? <laughs> black horses are, are just a, a huge... And challenge. I love black horses. They're my yeah. favorite. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. that That's one very frequently asked question is how to get good pictures of black horses. And the biggest challenge of all <laughs> in the photography world is shooting a black horse on a sunny day in the snow. And, you know, this is, it's doable, but it's so hard because most cameras don't have the, the range of exposure to expose both for the very dark black and the very bright white. So you're better off with a bright overcast day if you're going to shoot in the snow just to tone down all that harsh light that's happening. And bright overcast really will solve a lot of your problems with the shadows, which direction you can shoot. It gives you a much more um, rich, uh, saturated color in your horse. So um, many people think that you need to have a sunny day. That's not necessarily I was just going to say, that's, I think, one of the biggest misconceptions. Yeah, it really is. And, Actually, um, uh, I think most of the professional photographers I know would rather have a cloudy day. Absolutely, yeah. Your your bright overcast light will, will solve a lot of problems, especially also with, with portraits, because when we're shooting people, we want to soften out their creases and... And we don't want the shadows, and a bright overcast is almost like a, a studio, um, you know. A, yeah, high, a high, high def has been terrible for us people who don't yeah. like uh, all the creases showing. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot that you really don't want to see. <laughs> and, you know, you see that when you watch high def TV now, and you're watching all of these, like, news programs and things, and, and they get closer-up shots, and you're going, oh, that person is oh, not as attractive yeah. as we I thought they were. That. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, horses are not as vain as people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now I've got my horse, and I want to take pictures. Do I avoid... Let's say it's it's a sunny day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that uh, Scott and a couple of the other photographers we've talked to have also said the same thing. They like to shoot in the morning. when the, And what what do we mean by the light is softer? Well, it's more golden. The, because the, the sun the still may be light- out, but, you know... Yeah, the higher the sun goes up in the sky, the brighter and more direct it gets, so the the deeper your shadows are going to be. When your sun is low in the sky, you have a nice golden light, and it's going to give you a, a more even light on your, your horse. So, And also, I mean, this is a little more advanced, but when we have the, the low evening or morning light, there's a lot more we can do creatively as far as uh, shooting with a backlight. Like if we wanted to shoot a silhouette, we we have a nice ridge line, and we have our horse or you know horse and rider going over this ridge line, and the sun is we're shooting into the sun, and as the horse goes in front of the sun, we've got a perfect silhouette. This is not anything that we could ever create with the sun high up in the sky. 
So once you start seeing light and understanding light, you understand what you can do with it. And I mean, the rule is to always have uh, your horse lit with the with you standing, you know, parallel to the horse and the the sun coming over your shoulder, so that your horse is lit well. And once you, you know, this is good for your standard photos, like your confirmation shots and and something that you want to just have as a good standard photo. But once you understand this rule, there's no reason why you can break them and do the backlight and the silhouettes and the side light. And the, I mean, once you start seeing light, it's just what you're always looking for. And also the opposite end of the light is your shadows. And very often we'll have a beautiful halter shot, but the horse is angled in such a way that his head is throwing this horrible uh, shadow of his head and neck onto his body. And we're not even aware of this while we're shooting, but when we see that photo, we see that you know we didn't have the horse angled properly to the sun, and we've got this very deep shadow that now you you know this is the only thing you see in the photo. So, now, do you want the do you want the uh, so basically you as the photographer want the sun behind you? Yeah. Um, and you know that's something that we've always heard is you you don't want to be shooting into the sun, you want to be shooting away from it technically. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now with the shadows too, you don't want. If you're in the sun and and your horse is in, let's say, a shadow of a tree or a building or whatever, um, that's not good either. Uh, you know, you do you want both? If well, you're... it depends. I mean, okay. if you if you are are trying to get a photo and it's the middle of the day and you've got huge, you know, shadows and bright overhead sun, the next the the way to solve this problem is to find some open shade. And this can be um, in the shade of a building, um, a shade of a tree. Uh, something like that. You don't want the dappled shade. You want a, an even open shade. And this will do basically the same thing as a bright overcast. It will it will get rid of your shadows and it give you nice even light. And it'll be a lot better solution than having uh, shooting in that bright midday sun where you're going to have shadows. And um, as I said, you know, the, the range of your exposure, you're not going to be able to get a, a good exposure from your bright to your dark. You're either going to lose all your details in your shadows or you're going to blow out some of your highlights because your your camera can only meter for, I think it's four, four stops, whereas your the human eye sees something like eight stops. So the camera's limited, and if, if you're going to give it a, a problem shooting um, in this harsh over, overhead sun. You've got a black horse that's very bright. You might have, like, white fences or, you know, something white. The camera is going to have real trouble giving you an exposure where everything is has detail. You're either going to lose the highlights or you're going to lose the shadows. So to solve this problem, um, it's going to be harder with a black horse, but with a light-colored horse, if you find some nice open shade, um, that's going to solve your that issue, and it's going to give you a much more pleasing photo. So a lot of um, beginning photographers don't really understand the open shade um, um, aspect of photography, but um, for portraits especially, um, you really, you know, the first no-no is no um, bright sun in the face. You really need to get some open shade and... Um, you know that'll that'll smooth out all the lines, all the wrinkles, and and give you an exposure that's that's much more pleasing than something with bright light. Very good. So anything else in light? Well, you know that's only the beginning, right. but um, it, it's really what what sets photographers apart is their ability to uh, see light, understand light, photograph light, do do different things with it. Um, you know we have our big event in Colorado every year, and we have. 
Uh, we have a lot of overhead light, but we also have great dust. And um, the combination of dust and light is just, you can do the most amazing thing. It's not good for your equipment, but boy, you can get beautiful images, so it's kind of worth it. Um, you know, light through water is amazing. Once you start seeing these things, there's just so much you can do. And, and you know, learn learn the rules of, of seeing light and then, you know, have fun breaking them because those are where your really wonderful images are going to come from with the with backlight and rim light and silhouettes and, and just one, one little exercise that people can do which really will help them see the light is to, um, on a sunny day, if they've got all day in one location, is to um, take a stationary object. It can be anything, a flower, a tree, their dog. Just It's going to be the same spot. And every two hours, starting at sunrise, go take a photo from the same direction of this object. And then every two hours until the sun goes down. And then take all those photos and look at them side by side. And then look at what the light is doing. And this will give you a huge understanding for where the shadows go, um, you know, what the, the direction of the light, the quality of the light, and, um, you know, that that is where you're going to start making your big improvements is when you start to understand the light. Very good. Well, what's going on in February with the Equine Photographers Network? Well, um, we have our call for entries out for our equine photo contest. You can go to equinephotocontest.com. We have... Um, Five judges for that this year and ten classes, both professional and amateur. We've got sponsors coming in with some great prizes. So this is uh, the deadline for entries for that will be March 15th. And we are also um, expecting to have a couple of great workshops this year. One is with uh, Gabrielle Boisel coming from Germany. She'll be in Colorado in June. And then uh, we also have our annual Colorado Cowboys uh, workshop and horse drive, which is uh, about 800 horses and cowboys, and it's just uh, beyond description. <laughs> if you go to equinephotographers.org, go to events, it'll give you all the info there. And um, we're also trying to, uh, at this, while we're uh, recording this today, we're working on getting a online course going with Kim Beer for uh, Lightroom for those people that are processing their images in Lightroom. She's gonna, she's a guru in the field and will help people um, work on their workflow. And it's a very powerful program that helps people uh, process their images. Very good. Yeah, that's not actually a room. It's a software package. Yeah, so. it's Lightroom. It's <laughs> part of the whole Adobe package, right? Well, thank you, Kareen. Thank you so much for being here again. We'll talk to you again mo next month. And don't forget, everybody, it's equinephotographers.org, and you can become a member there, even if you're not a professional photographer, at equinephotographers.org. Well, right after this word from the Horse Radio Network, we have our first author on today. Her name is Connie Thompson, and she's the author of Happiness, Horse Apples, and Hand Grenades, a guide for, a guide for creating a stable relationship with a man. And you can't get a better name for a book than that. So we'll be right back with Connie after this. Do you have a company in the horse world? Are you looking to get the word out about your products, services, or shows? At the Horse Radio Network, we understand our advertisers need to reach the equestrian consumer in the most efficient, cost-effective way possible. 
Internet radio shows like this one, also called podcasts, allow the flexibility and creativity to craft unique messages that stand out from the herd and reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. If you want to learn more about advertising on this show or any of our shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact our account manager, Lisa, at 847-790-4476. That's Lisa at 847-970-4476. Or you can drop her an email at lisa at horseradionetwork.com. Our listeners are terrific, engaged, and avid horse people, the ones that you are looking for. Well, we have Connie Thompson on now in our author episode that we're doing today, who wrote a book who it just has the best name ever, Happiness, Horse Apples, and Hand Grenades, A Guide for Creating a Stable Relationship with a Man or a Horse. Well, hello, Connie. Hi, how you doing? Good. So tell us which side of the equation were you? Were you the horse person or were you the one that married into it? Um, actually, I'd always wanted a horse, and I'd never had one. And um, so when I met this guy, um, he was a motorcycle man, and I went, oh, man, okay, well, I've always wanted to do that, too. But after we'd been married a few years, we ended up with 11 horses overnight. And I didn't know the first thing about horses. And these were mostly cutting horses, which I knew even less about. And what, somebody so dropped them off in the yard? Well, it was a business deal that went bad, uh, and I refused to walk away with nothing. So I went over and collected 11 horses and brought them <laughs> home and said, Honey, now we need to build a barn. You know? And know, oh, by the way, we have we, to feed them. <laughs> I think we need a fence, you know? And so we spent, I spent literally the first couple of years shoveling more horse apples than most people do in, you know, a lifetime. And... um it was watching those horses and looking at my husband, and I went, wow, this is, they're a lot alike. And so when a girlfriend asked me for some advice, and she had just married my horse trainer, of all things, I thought, well, she would understand horses. And so I decided to write this book, <laughs> and that's how it came to be. So, But the title is, is kind of funny because people ask you, where in the world do you get all of that? Happiness, horse apples, and hand grenades. And I say happiness is the good part, horse apples is the crappy part, and hand grenades are all the battles in between. You know, anybody, I I, I asked Jennifer, of course, is my wife, and, you know, Uh Jennifer, uh, when you saw happiness, horse apples, and hand grenades, you got it immediately, didn't you? Oh, you know exactly what that is. Yeah, if you're a horse person, you get it. (laughs) Oh, good. Yes. (laughs) I was, everybody kept saying, you can't call a book that, and I go, but but that's what it says. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm glad you understood it. (laughs) No, you get it right away. We've been married 25 years, we get it. Um, and it's tough, you know, when you marry into it. Now, you guys sort of both dived in together. I mean, you were you were both really not really horse people. And, and you know, all of a sudden, 11 of show up, you learn real quick. But, oh, yeah. yeah. So, so you learn together. But when you marry into it, you know, one of the first things Jennifer told me was, you know, we're not going out on a second date unless, unless you learn to like horses. And, you know, there was no question that that was going to happen. Right, Jennifer? <laughs> you were very very careful to stay neutral at the beginning there glenn yeah yeah well my husband will not shovel horse apples oh is that now, right he he has this thing about 
I, I want, I'm, you know, they're your horses, but he'll go out and he'll, and if you catch him, not when he doesn't know you're there, he'll do these running monologues with the horses. Like, Tom, is she treating you okay? Because I've been a little concerned lately. And then he'll go down to Tibio, and then he'll go down to Sun Sun, and he'll say, you know, guys, I think you're looking a little heavy on this side. I think we should work out a little more. You know? <laughs> and so my husband really loves them. He just hates to admit that he really loves them. And I think it's a guy thing. So I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, it's just the way they are. But there are so many similarities between men and horses. And what I learned was that um, men are like horses in that they are both prey animals. Women are predators. And I know, Glenn, <laughs> that if your wife walks in and you see those nails of hers flying and those eyes glittering, you're going to find the fastest exit you can out of the room. That's correct, yes. But men are like that, and horses are like that. If you walk into a stall and you yell and scream at a horse and you're inconsistent and you're PMSing all over this horse, then, then they're going to freak and they're not going to know what to do. And if they have the option, they'll run. And if they don't have the option, they'll fight. And men are the same way. If you corner a man and you tackle him like that, same thing. And so the more I looked at it, I thought, why don't we treat men like as well as we treat our horses? And we don't. We expect men to know everything that we think and everything that we feel. You know, one time I told my husband, I said, you know what your problem is? He said, what? I said, you don't know your lines. <laughs> you didn't read the romance novels I read where when a woman gets like this, you're supposed to step up and hug her. You don't know your lines. And he looked at me and went, you're right, I don't. <laughs> so we had to practice some lines, you know. <laughs> well, and you expect us to know it. That's the other thing. You just, you just automatically, in your mind, assume that we should know. When we only, animal. I keep telling everybody, we only care about two things in life, eating and sex. Those are the only two uh-huh. things we really care about. Uh, be, beyond that, we could care less what really happens in the rest of the day. We do it because we have to make a living and get through the rest of the day. If we could just eat and have sex and not have to work or do anything else, we would. See, you're just like a horse. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, right. when you think about it, my horses prefer food and to be left alone or to fool around if they're not fixed, right? Yeah, or even if they That's are. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> you're just like a horse. Wow. Where women, you know, we do all of this so oh, intense and we, we think we know. And, and, and like I mentioned, you know, I was married three times before I met this guy. All of them very short-lived with long periods in between. And people assume that when you grow up, you're supposed to know when you're in love. You're, you know, and, and in the book, I, I mention about the fact that it's kind of like an orgasm. <laughs> Either know when you had one or you haven't had one. And the same thing is in love. You, you kind of think you might be in love, but you really don't know. And so when I met number four, I went, oh, man, I don't want to do this again. My dog and I are happy, you know. <laughs> We're going to go into oblivion. We're going to go into old age together. But the more I learned about horses, and, and like I said, I've been with this guy 20 years, and he's a keeper because I treat him like I treat my horses. I, I'm calm with them. I'm consistent with them. I don't lie to them. I don't cheat them. You know, and it just works out really well. So, if Do you more cook women, for him? 
Just ask. Yeah, I do. Because uh, I like see, to Jennifer, cook. I'm glad you're on here. You two need to talk. Do I cook for my horse, Glenn? No. I don't cook for you. I don't no. cook for my horse. I'm with you. If you're working pretty hard, I'm too busy to do that. <laughs> I do it because I enjoy it. Actually, I'm, not- I'm like a lot of horse husbands that I, I actually like to cook. And I, we've met a ton of horse husbands over the years that uh, like to cook. So... They well, learn, they learn husband, that out of self-defense. Yeah, well, she oh, makes she makes two things really, really, really well, but it's kind of hard <laughs> to have those two things over and over and over again. Yeah, well, yeah. my husband called me the other day when I was out of town, and he was so proud of himself, he microwaved a hot dog. <laughs> so he's not one of those. You know? <laughs> he so, can find the closest restaurant when I'm gone. That's about it. So, I mean, you know, he's... Tell us what a couple of the secrets are. You know, if, if uh, I think what you said, too, and I don't know, Jennifer can jump in here. Uh, you know, I think what you said, too, is that women tend to expect way, way, way too much. That they're, they're is that one of them? Is that? Well, I don't, I don't know about you all, but I was raised by a single parent, a father, which means that I didn't grow up knowing what a healthy Relation looks, relationship looked like day to day. So I read romance novels, right? I'm sorry, but I haven't seen a real-life romance like that anywhere that I know of. And so when we go into relationships, and I think it's one of the reasons my first three failed so miserably and so quickly, I thought that was reality. I thought that's what guys knew their lines, women knew theirs. Everything went like that. And so I think what... I finally learned was that if it isn't fun, you're not doing it right. We spend so much time trying to agonize ourselves into the perfect relationship, and women talk so much amongst each other that they don't spend enough time talking to the guy they're living with. (laughs) And so, you know, we're drama queens. And and so I gave up the drama stuff and said, if it isn't fun, I don't want to do it. And if it isn't fun, I'm not doing it right. So I need to change something. And so my husband and I have this really down-to-earth, you know, simple, common-sense, truthful relationship. We try not to scream at each other, um, and it works out really well. Same thing with your horse. If you just relax into it instead of trying to force it into preconceived ideas that you see on TV and the movies and all that, I think it's a lot more fun, and it's sure not as stressful. <laughs> like you say, the, str- the good thing about sex is that it keeps the stress levels low. <laughs> there we go. That's good. I like keeping the stress I mean, it really does. Low. Yeah. I mean, it, it, everybody kind of relaxes and kind of likes each other for a while afterward. And so when it gets stressful, you go do it again. For you know? a while afterward, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not saying it lasts forever, but... But All right, Jennifer, husband, Jennifer, jump in here before I get in trouble. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first rule, Glenn, is when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Digging, yes. That's, there that's you true. go. <laughs> oh, I have the funny story. I, I have to tell you, my husband one time, I, I told him, I said, I'm upset. I need a hug. And he took two steps backwards. And I went, excuse me? And I said, hold it right there. Just stop what you're doing. Let me see if I can read what just went through your mind. I said, you came in here and I said, I'm upset. And you said, oh crap. And then I said, I need a hug. And you said, oh crap. That means I have to get close to her and she's going to hurt me. And you took two steps back. 
and you think that because I'm upset and you're the only person in the house, it must be you. So you're ready to hit the door running. And he just kind of nodded, <laughs> and I said, all right, in the simple, straightforward way that we talk to each other, let me explain something else to you about nature. The perfect striking distance for a shark is about six feet. You are about six feet away from me. <laughs> if you don't want to be bitten by the shark, you better wrap your arms around it right quick because it won't bite you if you're holding on to it. <laughs> and he stepped up, wrapped his arms around me, and we haven't had that problem in 15 years. <laughs> well, you know, if you're standing right up against the horse's bum, it's a lot harder for him to kick it's, you. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the closer you get and, and all of that, and you just need to speak to them in a level that they understand, you know? And that's kind of the way you talk to your horse. You go down, and if they'll just stand there and listen to you rant and rave and, and do your thing about, oh, gosh, I'm so depressed today, or, you know, gosh, what a great day. And, and the fact that you're just talking to them and they know that it's not their fault, they love you. Did you, you know? uh, right, going around Facebook right now is this uh, little sign that says, Woman's Guide to Love and Lasting Relationships. One is find a man who makes you laugh. Two is find a man who ha- has a good job and can cook. Three, find a man who is honest. Four, find a man who will pamper you with gifts. Five, find a man who is awesome in bed. And finally, six, most of all, it is very important that these five men never meet. So, uh, <laughs> and I agree with that, but I don't know how many women have the energy for that. <laughs> One man pretty much sucks the energy out of me, so I don't know that I can handle five. Maybe when I was younger, but not in a while. <laughs> And but Jennifer right. just if, Jennifer and I never leave the house, fun. so I know that she I know she doesn't spend a whole lot of time with the other four. I just want to know, Jennifer, which one am I of the five? That's what I'm. No, you don't. You don't want to know. <laughs> no, maybe you I don't. don't. You don't want to know. How about I'm probably the one that has a good job and could cook. Uh, that's probably the one. I am. Well, there you go. That's perfect. <laughs> but but you guys, you know, even the sound of you talking together, you have fun. You know, and if it isn't fun, then then you need to change yourself because you can't change anybody else. So you need to look at yourself seriously and go, why isn't this fun? Am I making this fun fun? And, and I think that that's the most serious thing that people do is they forget that being in love is supposed to be fun. And well, so, you know, and, I have my halter theory. You and know. part of that is that, you know, life gets in the way. Uh, you know, money gets in the way. Families get in the way. You know, friends get in the way. There's a lot of things that can get in the way of a relationship that makes it really difficult, even if the two of you, you know, are what's considered, quote-unquote, perfect together. Those outside influences make a big, big difference, too. It's all how you handle it. Yeah, but I think the problem there is that if you're – most people aren't grateful you know, if I get up and I look at the checkbook and go, oh, crud, it's going to be an ugly financial day, right? I think if this is the worst thing that happens today, it's still a good day because so many other bad things could happen that if this is the worst one that happens, I'm okay with that. And I don't know if, I think the older I get, the more of a hermit I become. I mean, I love people, but in smaller doses. (laughs) So, um, I spend a lot more time with what's-his-name, you know? <laughs> Works out pretty well. He asked me one time, he said, why do you call me honey and all that? And I said, because I'm afraid if I get senile, I won't remember your name. <laughs> so you've got to start early. <laughs> Who's going to benefit the most from your book? You know, um, I, I'm, I hope that men do a little bit, but I think, it, I think women will, because what I want to tell 
women is that you're making it a lot harder than it has to be. And I have a theory about halters. And um, if you put a halter on a horse, it's much easier to lead him and guide him and change his direction and back him up. If you put a man in a halter, you can do the same thing. And that's not kinky sex, okay? What a halter stands for is the H stands for humor and honesty. And you've got to have them both. The A is for admiration. You've got to admire the person you're with for their efforts, for how hard they try. L is for lust. And that's not just jumping somebody's bones. That's wanting to, to squeeze their ass in the grocery store aisle while you're walking down, you know, grabbing lettuce when they're 60 or 70 years old. And you got to they, they kick you out of Walmart for that. I've seen it. <laughs> and you weren't doing it right. <laughs> I, I, Jennifer, she meant the, some, the, the person you're with, not, the, uh, not somebody oh, else. No, oh, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then you got to have trust and enthusiasm and respect. And if you got those things, you got love. And if you don't have all of them, I don't think you got it. That's it. that's very well said. Very well said. Well, where can people <laughs> buy your book? Um, Amazon. Um, it's at uh, a lot of local bookstores. I think my phone's flipping here. And um, but you can get it online. Yeah, I found it. In- I found it on Amazon. You just search for happiness, uh, horse apples, and hand grenades. And uh, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's and it's you're not going to break the bank with this one either. So. Oh, I don't think so. And yeah. and I think it. I think you'll laugh all the way through it while you're learning something, maybe. And it's available on the Kindle edition too. So. Yes, it uh, is. Uh-huh. You, you can get it on Kindle as well. Love the cover. Uh, uh, love Thank the title. You. I can't wait to read it. Actually, so this should be interesting <laughs> for Jennifer and I to read it and then go. Oh, maybe we did do something right. All these twenty. Oh years. yeah, I think it's uh, common sense and humor. So I hope it works for people. Very good. Well, we hope people go out and buy it. Thank you so much, Connie. Thank you, Glenn. Jennifer, have a beautiful day. Well, next up, we have a fun lady I think you're all going to enjoy. Her name is Anne Jameson, and she wrote a series called For the Love of the Horse series, and she has a special guest on with her as well, one of the people that she highlighted in one of her books. And I think you're going to love the series, you're going to love these guests, and I hope you enjoy. Right after this word from Audible. Hi all, Glenn the Geek here, and we are excited to bring you a special offer for Horse Radio Network listeners from one of my favorite companies, and that is Audible.com. Audible.com is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci-fi, sports, and so much more. Audible titles play on your iPhone, your Kindle, your Android, or more than 500 different devices that you can listen anytime, anywhere. My wife and I love Audible books. We've been a member of Audible since 2004 and have listened to over 100 books uh, with Audible. What horse person, you know, who has time as a horse person to sit down and to read a book anymore? Yet, I found the time to listen to books on Audible. When I'm not listening to podcasts while I'm riding, cleaning stalls, or at the gym, or driving, I'm listening to Audible books. And for the listeners of the Horse Radio Network, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash hrn. That's audibletrial.com slash HRN for Horse Radio Network. 
And you can download your free audiobook and get your 14-day free trial today. If you can't remember that, just check out our website and you'll find a link to it right there. Enjoy your book. We know you will. Hi, Ann, and welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. It's good to have you on. Hi, Glenn. It's good to be on. And, of course, we got to you through a mutual friend, didn't we? Yes, we did. Lisa Kelly. Yeah, Lisa Kelly, who uh, people might know from Ice Road Truckers. She was on our show a couple weeks ago and is an avid horse girl, as well as an Ice Road Trucker. Um, and as I'm, and I might say the best looking of the ice road truckers. Well, in, in yeah, no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> so first tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a horse show judge, uh, for the United States Equestrian Federation. And, um, I've been writing my book series for the love of the horse. Uh, the first one came out in 2005 and, um, there's four out now and I'm already working on the fifth one. And um, I also, I have my own horse who's um, an off-the-track thoroughbred. He's a grandson of Secretariat. And um, he's done very, very well in the show hunters and also in uh, dressage. And I've trained a lot of off-the-track thoroughbreds and and brought them to new careers. So I'm pretty well immersed in horses. I'd say. And and now, did you, um, what what do you judge? What, What discipline? I judge hunters and jumpers and equitation. Oh, okay, cool. And how long have you been judging? 21 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I know. We're going to have to have you back on. We want to do a a judge's roundtable where we get a couple of judges together from different disciplines. Oh, that'd be awesome. And we have a, you know, just a roundtable kind of chat. So I'll definitely put you on the list for that. That should be fun. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Well, now, how did you get to writing the books? Where did the For the Love of the Horse series start and, and why? Well, I love the All Creatures Great and Small series. Oh, yeah, one of Jennifer's favorites, I think. <laughs> yeah, I read yeah, them all. They are, through and through. They're awesome books. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I always had in my head how much I enjoyed those books. And um, a lot of times when I was judging, people would um, start to tell me a little story about their horse or about a horse that they knew. And, and um, I'd be like, wow, those are really good stories. Somebody should write them down. And meanwhile, I was... I had been an English major, and I wrote for magazines and newspapers, and for years I kept saying, somebody should write those stories down, and finally it clicked that, oh, I'm the one who was supposed to write them down. <laughs> so I may be a little slow, but I finally got it, and um, and as soon as I started, uh, stories just came out of the woodwork, you know, like, I'd talk to one person, they'd be like, oh, you have to talk to this person, they have a great story, or I'd see a little bit in a magazine or something, say, hmm, I'm going to follow up on that, that sounds like a good story. And um, it was it was so much fun um, talking to the owners and meeting them and, and meeting their horses and and preserving the stories and honoring the horses for what they do for us. And my books are a collection both of, of very famous horses and absolutely unknown horses and in between. You know, any discipline, any breed, it doesn't matter. It's just if it's a story about the bond between a horse and its person, then, then I'm interested. Now, now, did you? Are you doing one horse? You know, one pair per book, or do you do multiple? Oh no, no. Okay. There's there's thirty to forty stories oh, in wow. each book. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that's some yeah. research involved there, isn't there? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yep. Wow. So, so now, tell us about some of the ones that uh, are there. Some, and I know this is hard. It's like picking out which child is your best. You know, your favorite. But you know which. 
are there stories that really stood out to you that really affected you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, one of them is a, about a horse named LT, who's a therapy horse. And um, it's another woman named Lisa who owns LT. And um, <clears throat> LT is extremely sensitive to what each person um, needs and behaves in a way to, to help that person. And um, Lisa works with uh, like abused children and, and at-risk youth. And she had this very um, aggressive young man that she was working with that had been told all his life that he wasn't trustworthy and, and um, you know, that people didn't want to be around him. They were afraid of him and he was very difficult. And a lot of uh, therapists had written him off and said there's nothing that could be done for him. So he came to this, this group and to work with these horses and Lisa paired him up with LT and LT met him and he lay down on the ground at the boy's feet. And what he was saying was, I totally trust you. I know you're not going to hurt me. Hmm. And it totally changed the kid's life. Wow. And, you know, we do hear stories like that, uh, like that involving horses. And that's why they're so good with therapy, you know, to be used as therapy horses and for the returning soldiers as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there's one I'm going to be doing in the next book, a horse named Straw, who works with the uh, the veterans and and she has an amazing gift for that you know it's they just have a knack for giving us what we need so how do you how do you find these fascinating stories what what's your research process and how do you come across them well at this point people lots of times call me and (laughs) say you know um i have a horse i think would be great for your book so it's getting a lot easier now but initially i just started with a couple that I had heard about, and it just kind of um, just grew from there. You know, I talked to one and get a referral for another and, you know, see a, a little bit about, you know, like there'd be a couple lines in a magazine, and I knew that I had to follow up and find out the whole story behind that horse. And, you know, it just, you know, and I also would reach out. I'd contact, um, like, different organizations and say, you know, this is what I'm looking for. Do you have a, a horse you know, maybe a Morgan horse or a, an Arabian or a thoroughbred that you know a really good story about. I, I also reached out to rescues and I said, you know, do you have a really good rescue story? And yeah, so um, so it, you know, it take it took a lot, and it is a lot easier now since I'm a lot more well known. And, and Facebook, I'm sure, helps that too. Yes, yes. Yeah, it yeah. helps us all. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, it sure does. <laughs> and I yeah. saw there's some names in here, Jennifer, that uh, I'm sure our listeners will recognize from us chatting about them on the shows. Um, uh, Teddy, Theodore O'Connor, uh, right. you wrote about. Also, Jamaica, who uh, yes. who actually lives about four miles from us. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, here awesome. In, here in Ocala. He's uh, not too that far was, from us. When you asked me some of my favorite stories, I was, that was the, another one I was going to mention, too. That's a, an incredible story, the one about Jamaica. Talk a little bit about it. Well, Jamaica was in a slaughterhouse, and, uh, you know, he was scheduled to be slaughtered, and luckily he had a skin condition, and they could not legally slaughter him with his skin condition. So um, somebody bought him thinking that they could use him, knowing that he had some carriage training, thought that he, they could use them for the carriage trade in Belgium, but <laughs> they had no patience for that. He did not want to stand still, 
And <clears throat> through the grapevine, Chester Weber found out about him. And Chester really wasn't sure he wanted to go see him because he, so many people would tell him, you know, this is a perfect horse for you. And Chester would travel and, and then find out it was absolutely nothing like what right. they described. Which is usually the case. Right. <laughs> That's so true. And, um, like, for carriage horses, you have to have them match. They have to be the same size, the same coloring and everything. So people would tell Chester, you know, it was a, a, a bay with a blaze and he'd get there, you know, and, and the horse would be a chestnut. You know, so... So anyways, he, he was going to go look at this horse, and um, it turned out there was a truck strike that day, so all the highways were closed. They couldn't use the highways. So they're taking all these back ways, and it's taking forever to get there. And Chester would stop. He'd just be like, this is stupid. I'm not going to go. This is not worth it. And he was with a friend, and the friend was like, no, we're going to go look at this horse. So, <laughs> so they go, and they get there. And, um, and Chester's like, wow, it is the right color and the right size. <laughs> so this is good. Um, so they start driving him. And at first, Chester's not very impressed. And then his friend says, no, I think we just need to change the bit. So they change the bit. And all of a sudden, Jamaica is fantastic. And Chester's like, oh, my God. And he's driving him. And he's having a blast. And he's testing him out, doing different things. And the friend's like, stop, stop. And she's just like, what? What do you mean stop? This horse is awesome. The friend's like, the price is going to go up. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, so they end up uh, getting Jamaica, and Jamaica is very difficult, but Chester really knows how to deal with them. And he said, instead of trying to fit Jamaica into my program, I had to fit myself into Jamaica's program. <laughs> but it was worth it. I mean, Jamaica ended up being an absolute star and being selected as Horse of the Year by the United States Equestrian Federation. And he still is, uh, from what I understand, a bit of a handful. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so. I his personality has not changed. <laughs> he's retired him. Uh, I believe he's retired now and, and living at the farm, just hanging out. But uh, yep. um, he, di- he did his work. He uh, won some world championships, and, and that, that was, that's, what, that's what he was there for. Yes, it was, yes. Yeah, and Chester does have an impressive uh, four-in-hand team. He he always has. It's just oh know, my god, it's, yes, it's a striking team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then you know, you how'd you end up? Uh, because we just had her on, we might as well talk about her a little bit. How'd you end up? Uh, first of all, I didn't even know Lisa Kelly from Ice Road Truckers had horses until we met on Facebook. Oh, okay. You know, and then we got chatting, and you know, we've been chatting ever since. But, she, and she's a listener of our shows, which so she got in touch with us because she listens to the shows when she's driving. But uh, how did you find out about her, and then and then get her in, involved in the book? Well, I'm a huge fan of the show, and I'm a fan of the show because of Lisa, because I think she's an amazing woman, and I give her so much credit for what she does. Uh, she puts up with all those other guys' crap. I would say so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so right yes <clears throat> i mean they're all about um you know getting the most hauls in and most loads and you know t- they don't care about anyone else and i'm not I, I don't mean all of them some of them are good guys but some of them are just not so good <laughs> and lisa's you know she's out there to help people i mean yes she wants to to get you know, the load's delivered, and she does. But if somebody's stuck, she's the first one to pull off and, you know, can I pull your truck out of there or can I do something to help you? And and also she doesn't, you know, the guys do things because they're so big and brawny, and she's tiny. She has to use her brain to figure out how to do things that she doesn't have the brawn to do, and that just fascinated me. And also that 
what they're doing is really on the envelope. I mean, they're driving these huge rigs on ice up these hills and down hills and around sharp curves, and it's it just amazes me that people can do that. So I was I was very impressed with her and with the show. And then all of a sudden, I heard her start talking about horses on the show, and I was like, she has horses. And she started talking about this horse, Sky, that she has, that Sky had been lost to her, and she was trying to get her back. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's a good story here. I need to know about this. <laughs> and at the end of the season, she was reunited with Sky. And um, meanwhile, I contacted the History Channel, and I said, I, you know, I really like to get in touch with Lisa Kelly. And they put me in touch with someone who put me in touch with someone who put me in touch yeah, with... Yeah, that's usually what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer can tell you that. She Jennifer books our guests, so she can tell you that. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you have to circumvent the universe to find someone. Yeah. yeah. That's about right, yeah. <laughs> the bigger the celebrity, the hardest, harder they are to find, too. All right, yeah. But um, I, I didn't talk to her directly initially, and they said, well you know, what we want is a copy of one of your books so Lisa can look it over and see if this is something she wants to do. So I sent a copy of the book and then I got the okay that yes, I could, could do the story. And, um, then I was given, you know, time to talk to Lisa and and her phone number and David Van Amber set it up for manager. And Lisa and I just hit it off instantly. I mean, you know, two horse people. Right. (laughs) So, So, um, I Two horse fabulous... people never have any trouble talking, ever. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. So I, I had a great time interviewing her, and, and um, you know, then I called her back a couple times to, to clarify some details and get some more information and, and wrote up the story, and I sent it to her, and, you know, she told me what changes I needed to make, and, you know, we got it all together, and she was very happy with it, and, and she's very happy with the book. So I'm very happy, too. Well, terrific. That's that's great. She is, and the thing that people need to know about Lisa is she is the way you see her on the show is the way she is in real life. There's no, absolutely, there's nothing fake at all about Lisa in any way. No, there isn't. No, you get what you get. Yeah. Yep. Well, tell us about the person that uh, that you have sitting there with you. Okay, uh, it's Sharon Santander is here with me, and Sharon has um, uh, a story about her horse Platinum Plus and. Toby, and he was absolutely not the horse she was looking for, not her idea. I mean, she had this vision in mind of her perfect horse, which was a bay thoroughbred, and she had some bay thoroughbreds, um, but, you know, that was always in her head of what she was looking for, so Toby was a a, a big uh, warm blood cross, and <laughs> ugly, <laughs> she said it, not me, <laughs> and she was absolutely convinced that that was not the horse for her, and he turned out to be in the, this amazing, amazing horse that she absolutely loves. Well, let's talk to Sharon here. All righty. Hang on one second. Hello, how are you? Good, Sharon. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. So tell us about this. Tell us about Platinum Plus. Platinum Plus, Toby. He's just like an overstepped gray pony with personality plus but like ann said when i they first brought him out of the barn i had been looking at another horse and they were like well since you're here you should look at this horse too and they uh, brought him out and i'm like yeah you're that's kidding. the famous line yeah <laughs> <laughs> like you're kidding you just want me to look at that thing i don't think so <laughs> but they made me get on and stuff and i still wasn't convinced he was uh, very uncomfortable very big and unfortunately i thought ugly <laughs> um 
but when I went home, I'd looked at a lot of horses. Um, he was from Florida. And I went home, and I'd actually picked another horse to come back and try. And actually, on the plane, I was like, well, hmm, well. And my stepmother had really liked the, the gray. He's gray, Toby. I said, well, can we try him again? And I did. And I brought my own saddle, so I thought he'd be a little more comfortable, but he's still not. <laughs> and you just, I got a trust in him. We went down the road. Uh, Big Mac trucks drove by. He didn't care. I'm like, okay, I'm going to live through this. This is awesome. <laughs> I like this horse. And uh, actually, once they brought him home from Florida, I actually opened up the stall door and shut the door and told the manager that it's not the horse. I did not pick one that's ugly. That is totally not the horse I bought down there. <laughs> she was like, that's not funny, Sharon. I'm like, I'm telling you. But he also has a scar on his back. And I went and I'm like, oh, no, that is the horse I bought. <laughs> Threw him off the trailer as fast as I could and like hit him for a couple of years. I was like, I don't think so. There's a lot of, Sharon, there's a lot of women that have said that when their husbands walk down the aisle. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's like, what am I doing? But he's turned out to be absolutely fabulous. He, he's done preliminary eventing. He's dragged me all over. He's done level fours at horse shows. I can trail ride him. I can pace him. He's my best bud. I mean, he's just really neat. And has he gotten a little cuter? Mm, I'm not sure. <laughs> my dad likes to call him the plow horse. He needs a hat and a cigar, and he'd be all set. But once you put him under attack, he, he is pretty presentable, and everybody knows him. I used to ride bays, and nobody really knew who I was, and they kind of left me alone. But once I got Toby, they're like, Toby, Toby, there's Toby. I'm like, oh, I really like hiding better. Kind of puts the bar up. Everybody's waiting for him to do fantastic, which he does. <laughs> he never lets me down. But um, he's just he's just neat, neat old, neat old boy. He's older now. I've had him for ten years, and it's just he's just fabulous, fabulous. He, he's one time we're going along, and all of a sudden he had his nose in a garbage pail. I'm like, what are you doing? He comes up with an apple core. I'm like, really? How did you know that was in there? It's like, <laughs> you're a dumpster diver now. Really? Do I have to put this to your repertoire? Let's please. Sharon, you really should feed your horse. I know. We like Swedish <laughs> fish, too. <laughs> For Christmas, my sister buys them gourmet Swedish fish. It's like, really? This horse is just one spoiled beast, but well worth the spoiling. <laughs> well, that, see, isn't that the case, though, when you come across horses and you're horse shopping? The yes. ones that are, quote, ugly they have to be good because by the yeah. time they're age five or six, if they're ugly and rude, they're out of there. So they're you know? out of there. No one wants them. <laughs> he no, figured he it out did. early on. He certainly, certainly did. He puts his head in my pocket. He talks to all the people. I give him a crop to play with. He wings it around and throws it at people like, hey, come play with me like a stick and a dog. I'm like, oh, boy, what did I do? But, yeah, he is awesome. I just can't. Like Ann says, I love to talk about him. I can go all day long with all those little tricks and <laughs> of the trade. And he presents himself very big, and he's also not very big, but he knows how to, you know, he shows off. He loves to show off when he's in the ring, and he knows it. He knows when people are looking at him. We should mention, um, too, in case we didn't, that uh, Sharon is an inventor. So uh, uh, so Toby did, uh, went around a few uh, courses, didn't he? Yes, and Sharon yes, has an did. overdeveloped sense of adventure. All, all inventors do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. I, I started out in the hunters in, in the equitation, and then I actually moved up because it was like I couldn't do the braiding and the looking prissy anymore. I'm like, I'm over that. It's done. Sure, <laughs> it's time you, to just go out and do something else. Aren't you from um, the New England area? Yes. Okay, uh, I you know, so. New York, yeah. you know, yeah. right with Anne. Um, 
That's what I. So thought. yeah, we fox hunt and do stuff like that. That he hasn't mastered yet. That I'm not sure I want to take him out in an open field with other horses to run. <laughs> <laughs> he might get into that too. I mean, I'm not sure. That is a special brand of crazy. Yes, that one is special brand, and you have to have a special horse for that too. I want to keep mine together a little longer, other than fox hunting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping to bring him out again this year. He did prelim in 205. I haven't done much with them the last couple of years for odd and end reasons, but this year I'm hoping to take him out one more year and, and spoot him out. So, cause he has to do some jumpers and a little bit of eventing. So I'm excited for the year coming. How, how high did he get up? He, he's jumped four, three, okay. four, three, four foot. Um, prelim is not quite that high. I have no desire to do intermediate, unfortunately, in eventing. Um, but prelim was high enough and I've done the jumpers at like four foot, four, three. You mean we're not yeah. going to see you at Rolex this year? Yeah, on the ground, watching, okay. <laughs> <laughs> with a ticket in hand, <laughs> saying I can do the first jump and the last jump. Isn't that cool? <laughs> well, it must have been. What was it like for you to be contacted uh, by Anne to to be in this book? Were you going, why or why am I here? Or, you, yes, you know, yes. Yeah. I've known Anne um, through a, a common person that we took lessons from and stuff, and uh I've enjoyed it. I've actually ridden her horse once or twice. And, yeah, when she called up, I'm like, really? You want about my first event? That's, really? Okay, well, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> she really had to twist your arm. Why do you want me to start? Yeah, she had to really twist my arm. It was hard. <laughs> <laughs> and then once I got going, it never stopped from there. <laughs> and I had her sign my book, and I love my book. And, of course, unfortunately, my favorite story is... <laughs> Mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that works. <laughs> yeah, isn't that? <laughs> and then I was just laughing with her, too, as I read some of her books. Um, the one with Ty Pennington and Extreme Makeover. It was just really strange. It's fun to read the books because I work for um, a horse vet. And I know a lot of the people or a lot of the horses. And I just so happened to see that one particular Extreme Makeover. It was like, oh, I saw this. This is really cool. And, and she just described the whole show like, so perfect. It was just awesome. And uh, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun talking to horses and, and talking about the books and stuff. So, well, Sharon, thank you so much for uh, taking time out to join us today. We really appreciate it. And uh, you, that, go on our Facebook page over at Stable Scoop Radio Show and post a picture for us of Platinum Plus. Oh, I definitely will when I get home. Definitely will. That would uh, be awesome. All right, And cool. thank you so much. It's been fun. All right. like back? Yes, sure. Okay. Yep. Hello. Well, Anne, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people buy your books? Um, well, they can buy them um, at a lot of different tax shops and on Amazon and from my website, which is loveofthehorsebook.com. Love and they're on Lisa's website, too. But the fourth one, obviously, is on Lisa's website. And that's loveofthehorsebook.com. You'll find all of right. the different books there or on Amazon. I found them there as well. So we appreciate you being on, and uh, good luck with uh, book number five. Well, thank you so much. Today's Tack and Habit segment is brought to you by The Barnworks. The Barnworks is a small marketing firm which caters to equestrians. Whether you ride professionally, own or manage a boarding facility, sell horses, teach, train, show, or even sell retail goods, our business can help your business blossom. We offer services of all kinds, but what we do offer is focused on marketing your business in an efficient and effective way. Regardless of what creative marketing services you need, the Barnworks offers something that most other marketers don't, free consulting. 
That means if you don't know what you need or what will work best with your budget, we will sit down with you and figure it out together. No charge. Nada. Zip. Zero. And with over 20 years in corporate marketing experience, we have an idea about what works. And because we're fully immersed in the horse world, we know what works and what does not work in this crazy, wonderful industry of ours. Go to our website at www.thebarnworks.com. You can see samples of our work and find out how to get in touch or just send an email to email at thebarnworks.com. Today's Tack and Habits segment is compliments of the American Equestrian Trade Association. When uh, we were there over last weekend, uh, Coach Jen and I had a chance to speak with uh, Louise Cantrell Keogh, who is with a company called Rebound Hoof Pack. And I think you're, this is a terrific product. We absolutely fell in love with this product, but the story behind the product's uh, even more fun. So let's take a listen to the interview we did with Louise at the, at the American Equestrian Trade Association. Hi, Glenn, back with you, and I am with Coach Jen, and we are at the American Equestrian Trade Association in Philadelphia looking at all kinds of cool new products Woo-hoo! to the market in the horse world. This is one of Jennifer's favorite things to do ever, and let, trust me, all of the listeners out there who uh, love to shop would love coming to this trade fair because everything you can buy in a tack shop is here in one yeah, place. they fingerprint you when you come in here. You cannot. <laughs> right. they, oh, they, boy. They, you have a badge, and they make sure you don't take stuff out. Yeah, this is, this is the next best thing to Quantico around here. So we have have with us Louise Cantrell Kehoe, right? Okay, got it right. And That's she is me. with Rebound Hoof Pack, uh, or Rebound, and y- you have a neat product here that Jennifer fell in love with immediately because she has wrapped enough hooves in her life. Tell us what the product is, and then I want you to tell the story of your daughter and how it was developed. Rebound Hoof Pack is a super sticky substance that contains Epsom salt, iodine, pine tar. When you have a horse with a sore hoof, your vet will usually tell you to get the Epsom salt, iodine, pine tar. Right. Mix it together in a diaper or something. Vet wrap it and duct tape it. And it's goopy, messy, and ugh. Well, it's hard to know the exact proportions, and working with a veterinarian and a farrier, we developed this product that has the correct balance between the Epsom salts, which draws out the pain, but it also will draw out the moisture, and that's what the pine tar does, is it replaces that and keeps the hoof moist. And why would you use it? I mean, what's the reason, what's going on in the foot that you would want to help with? There's two different things. Um, It's used preventatively by competitors who've worked their horses very hard, It was invented by a person who is a three-day eventer and running cross-country with the horses for 9 to 12 minutes. You can get a stone bruise. Right. And, of course, you won't know that necessarily right away. So preventatively, after a hard workout, whether it's show jumping or galloping, um, the race barns use it after a breeze or after a race. That's preventative use. But for an abscess... Your vet will tell you to wrap, and that's another time. The thing with this product, it's super sticky, but with a wet hand, you could take it out, put it in the hoof, put shavings or paper or something over it, and you're done. I don't have to wrap. 
You don't have to wrap if it has a shoe. If it doesn't have a shoe, you can use this product and then just use the vet wrap and duct tape. You don't have to go looking for all of the other ingredients. So, okay, so what, what you do here is uh, you basically get your hand wet or you put a glove on and get, your, get the glove and wet. And the glove wet. Right. It has to be wet. It doesn't stick to a wet surface. And then you take a, a, a little pile of this stuff. Golf ball or so? Yeah. Walnut size for a smaller horse okay. up oh. to golf ball or maybe more well, if it's a Clydesdale. That's not very okay. much though. I thought it would be more than that. It's very you, efficient. You just need thing. enough well, to coat the just hoof. Just enough to cover it because what you're doing, it's being absorbed into the hoof. If you have too much, you're wasting just, it. You're you're just just it. Yeah. But as the person who sells it, maybe use more. <laughs> Fill that yeah, hoof. <laughs> But you you want to cover the and you're hoof. you're basically covering the whole bottom of the hoof, the, the frog, bottom. and all the area around. And, exactly, and inside the well of the shoe is okay. what you would what you would do. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a caramel like substance. It has uh, that's to be a good at description room, actually. Yeah, it has to be at room temperature. It will harden in the cold. And it's fun to play with. It's like it Play-Doh. Is. It is. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's fun. It's a Ziploc bag because it is sticky, but then yeah. you can still feel the yeah. and see. Uh, you can see through it. And so. how does it absorb really well into the hoof? Does it really work? It, that, you'll have to go on our website and listen to all the testimonials of Olympic riders. Um, okay. They, that's why it's flying off the shelves. And there's an interesting story about your, your daughter, Ashley, who developed this and why she developed it. Well, um, she invented this product while she was at James Madison University for her entrepreneurial class, and she was inspired to, to, to make this because, in fact, she had a horse that she had to wrap for about six weeks every morning and every night while she was a sophomore at James Madison. And Boy, and we've all been there and done that, <laughs> oh, and it's, well, a, it's not classes, pleasant. And she was in Virginia, so... It can be, like it was the last couple of days, 17 degrees at 6 o'clock in the morning and out there and stopping at the store to find all of the bits and pieces which you need. Fun at 19 years old to go with your boyfriend to the store at 10 o'clock at night and buy baby diapers. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much. Not so much. So she he didn't last long. No, he didn't. No. So the next year, um, she was taking this entrepreneurial class and uh, was away at competitions and uh, came back to classes and these people had developed a product. One, their classmates, their some other people in class. for this entrepreneurial class, but it didn't work. But she thought, wow, it was a super sticky sub, uh, product. Stuff. Yeah, and she thought, wow, I could really make something out of that. Let's see if we can't get these ingredients. So working with a veterinarian, uh, Dr. Jeff Bashir, <coughs> they developed the, this, um, the appropriate balance that... Uh, <laughs> So they so they took so, one one student's apparent failure, which was not a failure at all. It just didn't do what they thought it would do. Exactly. And they turned it into a product that's really going to do wonders for your horse's feet. Absolutely. And it's yeah. really cool yeah. too. What I love about that story is most uh, people in that entrepreneurial class uh, uh, do really stupid stuff that doesn't mean anything and doesn't go anywhere. And she she made a very practical and that. Isn't that a horse girl thing? Well, <laughs> when you think about of it, Karen and David O'Connor. So, Max, their groom. Oh yeah, Max. She's been on our shows a number of times. Yeah. Um, she said, "Oh, I'll try that." 
and it worked so well. Other people started using it. David was the coach of the Canadian yep. eventing team, and his students started using it, and it just spread in the um, it spread throughout uh, show jumping as well, and now the race barns, as I said, and um, we have clients all over now. So yeah, it was. Uh, How much so? You would apply it how often? Once a day, twice a day, or well, when you were, if it's preventative, you're not. You want to put it on after you right. work your okay. horse very hard. Okay. So. After a jump school, right. if I go out and I have to do gallop sets, or I, you know, obviously the day after an endurance race, you would be using Absolutely. this. Will it help draw out an abscess? Y- yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, extra yes, special. That's yeah. even better. But, yeah. Uh, the way it works with an abscess, you would apply it, uh, and. 24 hours later, you want to wash it out so you can let the abscess drain right. before reapplying but it. But this help, will help draw it out. Yes. Yep. Anytime your vet tells you that you're, I mean, other than preventatively, but if your vet is telling you you need to wrap with Epsom salts, iodine, pine tar, this is the product that you should use. There isn't any other product. It's bisquick like for their feet. You, and, you don't have to get all the ingredients together. And it's so easy. Exactly. We watch the video, and literally it will take you a quarter of the time that it will. 25 if you... seconds to put this in the hoof after you have uh, cleaned the hoof and make sure it's And the dry. hoof has to be really dry. The, the hoof does yeah. have to be dry. Yeah. It won't stick to a wet surface. And uh, for all of the listeners of the Horses in the Morning show, she says hoof, so Jamie wins on that one. We've had this debate going forever about it, whether it's hoof or hoof. <laughs> so uh, here in Pennsylvania, it's hoof. And our, uh, other parts of the country, it's hoof, and we've had this debate forever. So <laughs> well, you obviously, I, you're on the hoof camp. Yes, <laughs> and I think the same, you know, tomatoes, tomatoes. Yeah, exactly. That's how you brought up to speak. I exactly. Guess. Well, this is Rebound. Where can people find out more about it? Reboundhoofpack.com. Reboundhoofpack.com. Well, thank you so much, Louise. We really appreciate you being on. And we're going to have to get Ashley on the show here one of these days. I think she would love that. That'd be fun. Yeah, well, it was a pleasure. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. We'll be back again next week with another new episode. Hopefully, Helena will be back with us next week. Be sure to log on uh, to StableScoop.com is where you can find all the links, photos, and more information about our guests uh, every week and every different episode. You can also listen to all the past episodes dating back 40 years over there at StableScoop.com. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Stable Scoop and Twitter at Horse Radio. And many thanks to our sponsors, The Barnworks, Audible.com, and everybody else who helps sponsor the Horse Radio Network. We appreciate it. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. You can drop Helena an email at Helena at HorseRadioNetwork.com or Glenn at Glenn with two ends at horseradionetwork.com. Thank you to Coach Jen from Horse Tip Daily for helping out this week, and we'll talk to you all next week. Happy scooping, everybody.